seated. Gentlemen, if you would remove your caps. Good evening. It's my privilege as the pastor of Bethel ARP to welcome you this evening to the Richard Wynn Academy Baccalaureate Service. We are thankful for this long-standing tradition of Richard Wynn to hold his worship service and that we are able to host it here at Bethel. Just a couple of announcements for us this evening. First, there will be a reception following the service, and that will be held down in our fellowship hall. If you've not been here before, it's easy to find. Just go through these double doors and go down the stairs, and that's our fellowship hall down there. So everyone is invited afterwards to enjoy a time of fellowship and refreshments. And secondly, and most importantly, i like to impress upon all of us that this service this evening is a worship service. This isn't just tradition. It isn't just something we check the box to say we've done. We have gathered on the Lord's Day together as his people to worship him. And you'll notice in your bulletin and the liturgy for tonight shows us why we are here. So I encourage each of you, all of us, to approach tonight as the worship service that this is meant to be. This is a time for us to be worshipful and reverent before our God in heaven, who has made known to his people that treasure hidden in a field and the pearl of great price of knowing, receiving, loving, and praising the Father through the Son and the fellowship of the Spirit. And that is our purpose here together this evening. And I'm pleased to introduce now to you Mr. Brady Branham, class of 1997 and a member of our local Gideon's camp. Miss Nick, it doesn't seem that long ago that I sat right there where these kids are sitting. I remember pulling up to the parking lot out here in my red Firebird, T-tops down, thinking I was all that. Um, had a little more hair back then. But for those of you that don't know me into the class of 2022, um, I'm Brady Branham, and I'm here on behalf of the Fairfield County Gideons International Camp. The Gideons International is an association of business and professional men and their wives dedicated to telling other people about Jesus. We are often recognized for our placing Bibles in hotels, but we do a lot more than that. We also place Bibles in New Testaments in various locations around the world so that they are available to those who may want them as well as those who may not even know they need them. Um, to date, I think we have about, we're in about 200 countries and territories with Bibles translated in, their, in those languages. And we do all of this and more with the help of local churches just like this one that we're in tonight. Um, there are countless testimonies of the way God has worked through placing this word and through Gideon men and women on the ground around the world. And I, two stories I want to share with you quickly is, uh, one, I'm reminded when my wife and I were working the Gideon booth at the state fair, handing out scriptures and talking with people, a guy stopped me as he was walking by and he said, hey, I stole one of those Bibles and it changed my life forever. And I laughed about it and I said, well, hey, tell me about it. So it comes about, he was a groundskeeper at the Willow Gray School there in Columbia, and he saw a Bible in the locker room or on a teacher's desk somewhere, but he took it. Um, and he took it and he kept it with him, and he was an avid hunter. So he found himself in his deer stand hunting one afternoon, and uh, he had the Bible with him, so he pulled it out and he started reading it. And he said, right then and there while I was in the deer stand reading that Bible, God convicted me of the sin in my life and how I'd never surrendered my life to him. And he said, right then and there I gave my life to Christ. And from then on, I've changed forever. 
And I thought that was a pretty cool story. Um, if you're ever going to steal something, the Bible is one that you can steal and get away with probably, all right? Also, um, I'm also reminded of how God has been and is still working, even with the current war going on in Ukraine. About two or three years ago, a gentleman from our Fairfield County camp found himself in Ukraine on a scripture blitz. Um, as he was sharing God's word and telling people about Christ um, over there. To my amazement, he received an email about a month ago um, from his interpreter while he was there that stated that they had been spending most of their time in the basement of their home. Um, this person, the interpreter, lives in Odessa, and you, you undoubtedly heard about that on the news. Um, also, they had 11 other people staying at their home with them who were from the capital city of Kiev. And what's really cool is they hadn't fled the country. They were staying there. She said that as the bombs shook the walls of their home and their basement, they continued to have nightly prayer meetings. So you can't tell me that two or three years ago, just and, and throughout other things, but those guys and those women there working, sharing Christ, laying that foundation in that neck of the woods, um, that God didn't foresee all of this going and preparing these people for a time such as this. I could keep going on with testimonies, but I won't for the sake of time. As we celebrate alongside you, class of 2022, in this milestone and chapter in your life, we want to present you with the New Testament, personalized with your name, this service, and today's date. I pray that you might cling to Christ's word so that your footing in the next chapter of your life might be steady, and that when you fall, as you undoubtedly will from time to time, that you might fall into the arms of Jesus. And I leave you with this, and I stole it from Brian Bonds last year. As you go to, into whatever traffic lane of life you're heading, college, work, military, whatever you, your next step is, don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter at all. Congratulations. I'll give you your Bible at the end of service, too. Our call to worship this evening comes from Psalm 96. I invite you to join me now standing for our call. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, and tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. If you will find your red hymnal and turn to hymn number 11. Holy, holy, holy. Red hymnal number 11.
Are you supposed to stay standing or sitting down? Y'all want to sit down? Let's sit down. I think y'all ought to stand up. Stand up. Let's sit. Now you may be seated. I guess that's what happens when you skip practice. You don't know what's going on. So uh, if you'll join us as we go together, our Lord, in time of prayer. Father, we come to you this evening and we praise you that we have this time together to worship you. And to be gathered as your people uh, for this occasion. And we know this occasion, this evening, can be bittersweet for the folks in here. Uh, for both the graduates and for their families. We know it can be bitter for the parents and for their families as they continue to prepare to see their, their young ones, their youth, take this next step into adulthood and prepare for this next phase of life. But we also know how excited the students are to finally be done with school here and to prepare for this next chapter of their lives that you have prepared for them. We pray that you would continue to bless these students and their families in this time. 
And we thank you for their time at Richard Wynn, for how you have grown them physically and emotionally and academically. We thank you for the teachers and for the staff and for the coaches and for all who are involved up there, for how they have loved them, how they have guided them over these years, how they have invested in helping them become the adults they are growing to be. We will also praise you for those involved at the school who have always faithfully pointed to you as their Lord and Savior. So we praise you for those teachers and the staff and the coaches who have loved you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and who have loved their neighbors as themselves by showing the love of Christ to all. And made their example, no matter how quiet it may be, no matter how loud it may have been, may their example continue to shine in the lives of these students and at Richard Wynn. Lord, in this time together, we would also pray for those who are here this evening and those at the school who do not know you as their Lord and Savior, who have chosen to not love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to not love their neighbors as you have called us to. Lord, save them, we pray. There may be some who profess to be Christians, but there's little to no evidence of faith in them. Lord, save them, we pray. And may all of us understand what Paul said when he exhorted us that for me to live as Christ and that my life is now hidden in Christ. So continue to guide us in our worship of you this evening. May all of us look to Christ as our Lord and Savior. And may all of us live for him alone. As we pray in this manner, we would end our prayer by looking to that model that Jesus has taught all of his people to pray the Lord's Prayer, as we pray it now together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture hymn, a hymn of preparation, is again in your red hymnal number 303. Be Thou My Vision, red hymnal number 303, and we will stand together again.
may be seated. If you have your Bibles with you this evening, I encourage you to join me now in turning to the Gospel of John, one of the four Gospels, the last of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this evening we're going to look together chapter chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, but really focusing on verse 5. So if you have your Bibles, John 15, verses 1 through 5, and before we, before we come together in God's Word, let me pray for our hearts and minds to be uh, prepared for this time. So join me as we pray. Father, we have a very simple prayer this evening, and that is we, you would give us a mind for your truth, that we may have a heart for you. Uh, your faith and your truth is intellectual, and it is emotional. It is a faith that we are to comprehend by our minds so we may live it out in our lives. And so as we come to your word, this word of faith, this word given by you to your people to call them to faith and to live in faith, help our minds understand this so our hearts may be enraptured by it so we may live all the days of our lives for you and for your glory. And guide us all in this way this evening. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll join me now in standing for the reading of God's word from John 15, let's stand together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruits. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. So, to the class of Richard Wynn Academy 2022, Brady already beat me to the punch, but let me be the second one this evening to congratulate you on finishing high school and getting ready to graduate. For the rest of the week, you're going to have a lot of people making the same congratulations to you. And come Thursday morning in the gym at Richard Wynn Academy, at the end you will gather in the, in the back, you will throw your caps in the air, and it will all be official. And you will have family and friends surrounding you to congratulate you. They're excited for you, and they're going to tell you that you have a bright future in front of you. It's a time you will enjoy and cherish, so hold on to it. Now I want you to imagine it is Thursday morning, and the caps have hit the ground, and your loved ones are coming up to you. And there's a particular one that you know and you love and you respect, And they come up and they shake your hand and they say, congratulations on graduating. You are now a nobody. So embrace being a nobody. Enjoy life. It's not what we would expect, would it? It's not what we would want. Yet that's exactly what happened to me when I was ordained as a pastor. In our Reformed Presbyterian world, there is a process in order to become ordained as a pastor. You have to go to seminary. In order to go to seminary, you have to graduate from college with a bachelor's degree with a decent GPA, and then you go to graduate school at seminary. And there in the master's program for the Masters of Divinity, you have to study this program. 
and it includes uh, subjects such as Greek and Hebrew. Take three semesters each of Greek and Hebrew. So at the end, you're able to translate the original text of the Bible. You take several semesters of the Bible, biblical theology, systematic theology, philosophy, preaching, and other courses. All along, you have midterms, you have finals, you have quizzes, and you have papers. Finally, after three years, if you have survived, your grades are good enough, then you are awarded your Masters of Divinity. But that does not mean you are yet a pastor. Now you have to receive a call to go be the pastor of a church, and when that happens, you then have to go before a committee of that presbytery that the church is located in, and now you have to take a written exam that is a, 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 summary comprehensive, or a comprehensive summary of all of what you've learned in seminary. And depending on the committee or the presbytery, the written exam can take as little as four hours. It's taken some people as long as 16 to 20 hours. And then when you're done with that exam, they call you back into the committee a couple weeks later, and now you sit in front of everybody in the committee. They tell you where you have failed in the exam, and then they begin to quiz you more and try to help you answer these questions and get better at it. Then you stand before the presbytery, where all the pastors and elders are gathered, and you're examined all over again. But now at the end of it, any pastor and any elder can stand up and they can ask you any sort of question. And that can be interesting, because at my service, I was intentionally asked a question in order to start a fight between two pastors. So that's always a sweet memory I'll carry with me. It's a process, and it's rigorous. And by the time you're done with that, you've been through the ringer. And that was the process I went through. As I come to my ordination service, Sunday, October 29, 2006, 6 p.m. at the White Oak ARP Church in Moreland, Georgia. I have gone through this process. I've done well enough to reach this point. I'm now going to be ordained as a pastor. And my college pastor, a dear friend and mentor, stood up to preach. And the first line of his, of his sermon was he looked at me. He said, James, congratulations. You have now become a nobody. Embrace it. Well, geez, man, thanks, right? I've just given three years of my life to studying these dead languages and going through this whole process, and this is what I'm told. I am a nobody. But he's right. I was a nobody, and I am a nobody. And biblically speaking, that's what we all have to understand about ourselves. Everything comes from nothing. Everything comes from understanding that we are nobody. In our passage this evening, Jesus is teaching his disciple how God grows his people in faith, and he uses this horticultural example. We think of a gardener with his big shade hat and, and long sleeves on, and he's got the, his spade and, 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 his, and his other tools, and he's going out to his garden, and he's pruning the dead limbs and twigs from the plants so that they can grow and thrive, and he's pruning to make his garden healthier and healthier, so he have wonderful tomato plants this year and be able to give tomatoes to everybody in the community and to grow peppers and so on and so forth. And in this example, Jesus makes the point of telling his disciples rather pointedly, apart from me, you can do nothing. And really what Jesus is saying here is, apart from me, you are nothing. And when you are nothing, you can do nothing. Because Jesus is divine. And Christians depend on him for everything. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. Apart from Christ, there is no life. Apart from Christ, there is no heaven. Apart from Christ, there's really just nihilism and chaos. And there is 
nothing. But there's also the promise that he takes nobodies who can have nothing and who can do nothing and he turns the world upside down with a bunch of nobodies. Paul picks up on this in his letter to the Corinthians, his first letters, and he says this to them, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Notice what Paul is saying here. As as a pastor to the church in Corinth, he's saying, you are a bunch of nobodies. Don't get haughty. Don't get a big head. You are a bunch of nobodies, and that's exactly why God called you to him, why God called you to be his people. Now, nobody wants to sit on an evening like this. Nobody wants in their life to be called a nobody. That's what Paul is saying to us. And he's saying it's good. You're not the smartest. You're not the most influential. You're not from the right family. Matter of fact, you're just a bunch of nobodies. And we have to get over that being a slap to our pride and to our dignity. Now, each of you in this class, you're leaving a school where it is relatively easy to be a pretty big fish in a really small pond. And it's easy to think that this is just how life is. Life is just going to continue on like this. It's going to continue to be like this reality. And so some of you are going off to college. Some of you are going to the workforce. Others of you are going to figure out what you're going to do next. But here's the cold splash of reality to us. Wherever you're going, either it be college or workforce, wherever you're going, you're getting ready to become a nobody. You're no longer going to be the biggest fish in the smallest pond. You're going to be one of the smallest fish in one of the bigger ponds. You're getting ready to be a nobody. You're starting over where you will be a nobody. Your parents can't come up to school and talk to your professors about your grades. They can't write you a note to get your extra day off from work so you can stay at the beach a little bit longer with them. And you get to the point where nobody cares who your family is, what your last name is, how long your family's been at school or in Winsboro. You're getting ready to be no longer a big fish in a small pond. So wherever you're going to next, you're going to start at or near the bottom. You are going to be a nobody. And you're going to find that there's always going to be somebody who is smarter than you and more popular and more athletic. And they're going to have more social media followers. They're going to have more money than your family. They're going to have a nicer car or truck. And that's okay because that's life and that's how life works. And that's the world we live in. But more importantly for us this evening, this is also part of the gospel. Paul, thinking of what Jesus taught the disciples about being pruned and being able to do nothing apart from him, being nothing apart from Christ, reminds the Corinthian church and reminds us that in the economy of the gospel, we are all nobodies and it's good to be a nobody. Because what do we have to offer God to make him want us to be his? What do we bring before a holy perfect God to say, you deserve me. You are lucky to have me. Like the Tom Pay song says, God, you got lucky when I found you. I love to sing that song to my wife. Babe, you got lucky when I found you. 
and I sleep on the couch at night. What do we have to offer God? We have sinners. We're born in our sins. We're born dead in our trespasses. We're born enemies. We're born hating the very God himself. How do we go to him and say, you deserve me when it was my sins that held you on the cross? We offer him nothing. And when we know that, he offers us everything. The moment we realize we are nobodies, he takes us and he uses us because God does wonderful things with nobodies. He took a stuttering murderer to lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. He took a little shepherd boy who was the least of his family to go and kill one of the most ferocious soldiers in the world with one stone from a slingshot and become the greatest king in Israel's history. He called this little ragtag nation to thrive even in the face of adversity. And think about what Jesus did with a bunch of nobodies. Fishermen. You don't build a religious movement around fishermen and tax collectors and religious zealots or zealots. Yet Jesus did that very thing. And with those 12 nobodies, he turned the world upside down. With those 12 people, 2,000 years later, there, is church, there are churches in Fairfield County, South Carolina, because he used a bunch of nobodies to do everything. Each of you are going out into a world that could care less about you. You're going into a world where there is always someone else willing to step on you and step over you to get what they want. The world wants to always remind you that you are nothing and rub your nose in it. But Jesus says he wants to remind you that you are nothing so he can do something with you. He doesn't care about your last name. He doesn't care about how much money you have or do not have. He does not care about your social prestige. He takes nobodies. And he turns the world upside down with a bunch of nobodies. And as long as you know that, he will do wonderful things with you. Some of you may know the name Billy Graham. Older folks in here, we know the name Billy Graham. He's the greatest preacher of the 20th century. Preached all over the world. He shared the gospel with as many people as God would put in his path. He preached to millions of people. There is a good chance that everybody in here has somebody in their family who heard Billy Graham preach, went to one of his crusades. There's even a good chance that all of us have family members who became a Christian because of Billy Graham. Presence would call him for spiritual advice. Do you know how his life began? On a dairy farm in Charlotte, North Carolina during the Great Depression. Nobody knew the Grahams. They weren't rich. They weren't prestigious. Interestingly enough, he was actually raised in the ARP church. Then he left us to become a Baptist. That's okay. We still love Billy Graham. Billy Graham was a nobody from Podunk, North Carolina. And when Billy Graham realized he was a nobody and turned to Jesus, Jesus used him to turn the world upside down the wonderful thing about being nobodies 
All we have to do is realize we're a nobody. We're a sinner. We're an enemy of God. We can do nothing on our own. Can't save ourselves from our sins. We can't be good enough. We can't buy our way into heaven. We can't bully our way into heaven. And all we have to do is take that knowledge and conviction that we are nobody and we turn to Christ and we realize that he lived perfectly for nobodies like you and me. He died for nobodies like you and me. He was resurrected for nobodies like you and me. So all a bunch of nobodies like us have to do is receive and rest upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation as he has been offered in the Gospels. And when you do this, when we do this, when I do this, when we embrace that we are nobody apart from Christ, and we place our faith in him, that he promises to do wonderful things for you and through you. And you will know what it means when he says that he is working together all things good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Because God takes a bunch of nobodies and he does wonderful things. So Richard Wynn Academy, class of 2022, congratulations on becoming a bunch of nobodies. Now go out. Embrace being a nobody in Christ so that God can and will use you for his glory, for your good, and for the good of all of his people. Pray with me. Lord our God, help us all to embrace the fact that we are a bunch of nobodies. And help us to understand that this is where everything wonderful begins. And we realize that we are nobody, and you make us into somebody as your son and daughter, son or daughter. And use us to do great things in this world. Be with this class, Lord. Use them in big ways and small ways. Help them all turn to you and live for you. And may you use them to continue to change the world for your good and for your glory. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a commitment this evening. It's in your hymnal again, number 91. A mighty fortress is our God. Red hymnal number 91. We will stand together.
Again, remind you, there is a reception afterwards, just right through these double doors down in our fellowship hall. Receive now the gracious blessing of the Lord as we end this evening together. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.